Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball, and you're listening to Speaking of Travel right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. And remember, you can go to the new Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. There you'll find photos and links to all the podcasts and just it's a lot of fun and i just love it i'm so glad that it's finally done and out there and remember you can listen anywhere anytime in the whole wide world on your free iheart radio app well you know traveling is one of the most direct and intuitive ways of feeding your soul experiences places that you've never been before will impact your world view and can change the way you view the human race not only among those around you but also yourself and those that you love. Well, my guest today right here in the studio is Kathy Triplett. She's an accomplished ceramist who seems to have a hunger to explore no no matter how many vacations or journeys she takes. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Kathy, for being here today. Thanks, Marilyn. Happy to talk about travel. I know. And Kathy and I go way back. I've known you for so many years, and it just seems that you're always doing something adventurous. I mean, just getting your hands in the clay is an adventure, I bet, right? Yes, it is. And seeing in all over the world what other people do in clay is always interesting. Well, tell us a little about you, Kathy. I know you from here in Western North Carolina. Were you from here? What's your background? I grew up in South Carolina, and my dad was a pilot, not a, with the airlines, but small planes, um, contract pilot. And so we took a lot of trips, little trips. But I think that gave me a real feeling for getting out and exploring the world. And also, I feel very comfortable in an airplane, more so than in a car. Wow, that's very unusual. Usually people are like, just the opposite of that. So when you were young, and you were traveling and just exploring a little bit, What were you thinking as you were getting older and and getting ready? Were you always into art? Was that part of your... No, I I grew up in a very small town, a very simple life, and I didn't know much about art. I made mud pies, and I think that's what got me interested in clay. Uh, About the only interesting thing visually in Orangeburg, South Carolina, was insects and I looked at a lot of grasshoppers and that was a great inspiration to me and I think maybe travel might have started there because I just wanted to get out of town I bet going from the small town to really being able to explore right. so how did you start um I started by after I graduated from college, Agnes Scott College in Decatur, Georgia, I had a tiny little scholarship for graduate school. It wasn't very much money, so I thought I'll go to Mexico because I could stretch it out for, uh, it was only $500. So I stretched that out for nine months in Mexico, and that was my first taste of um, a different, there's a different world out there. Right. And then when did you really start with your career in doing ceramics? That was in, I took ceramics classes, art classes in, in at university and at college, and that 
was when I started doing artwork. Mm-hmm. So when you went to Mexico as part of that, was that part of your graduate school or was that just kind well, of hanging it, out? No, it was um, studying art. I w- was accepted into the ceramics department in Cholula, Puebla. And uh, when I got there, there was no ceramics department. They said they were building it and classes would start manana. And so I took other classes in jewelry, photography and art history, anthropology, that's that was really fun. I bet it was. So as you grew as you after your Mexico trip and you came back, what happened then? Did you land someplace where you were settled in or were you still kind no, of No, I moved around a whole lot. Um I wanted to travel, but uh there was no money and I was starting out as a potter. Um something my parents had forbidden me to do, but um It was the 60s, 70s, and so I did it. But um, there was no money for a long time, so I didn't travel at all. So you were pretty stationary then. I was. Yeah. And then how did it get back to, I'm ready, it's time? I finally saved up some money, and I was taking... Um, French classes, and I decided I'd never been to Europe before, and I wanted to go to France for so many years and finally saved up enough money to finally get there. But I was over 40 by the time I got there. Wow. So that was... I didn't start traveling until late, so I have a lot of time to make up for it. And you are. (laughs) You look like you're on, like, an accelerated... now, now I have to pack in a lot because as you get older, it gets harder. Ah, uh, right. So when you first went to France, can you think about what it was like for you when you got off the plane and you were in France and you'd been learning the language a little bit, but here you were? First off, it was very scary um, because it didn't sound like the French that I learned in my little classes. Everybody spoke much faster, so I didn't un- understand anything. But um, the French people, contrary to what you hear, they're very helpful and very patient. And um, the other thing that struck me was when I got to Paris, I was all alone, and I had only seen pictures of France. Um and pictures and, and seen films. And so it was so noisy. I didn't realize that the, the backdrop was this traffic and sirens and noise and people talking. And it was very exciting, though. So it impacted you in an exciting way yes. rather than yes. a fearful way. Yes. So you and felt ready to go. I was and- ready to go. And gradually I, I learned all the names of the food so I could start experimenting with French cuisine. And how was that? That was fabulous. I bet, because you're quite a foodie yourself. You love food. Oh, I love to to try new foods. Right. And that's a big part of traveling, too, is is really being able to... It's one of the best parts. Mm. Now I'm getting hungry for some pastries. (laughs) (laughs) So after your France trip, you came back. Where were you living at that point? Um, I was living in Asheville at that time. So you had found your way to Asheville. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you started your studio. I had a studio down on the river. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's and now it's at my house. So. Right. And then did you travel for your work? Did you go to galleries in other countries, or how did that I happen? I did some. Um, when I published a book with um, Lark Books, and I 
part of the reason for doing that was because it would help me get into the teaching world doing workshops. I didn't really want to teach full time, but workshops would be fun, I thought, because they could take me to different places. So I mainly um, took every job I could get in Canada because I loved going to every different province in Canada to teach. Canadians are so wonderful, so kind. So I tried that for 10 years and did as much as I could. But by that time, I was um, able to support my trips to other more exotic places. So you were actually making your career into a travel fund, right? if you will. Right. (laughs) Well, that is a great way to get boosted into moving forward and having a lifestyle that includes travel. Right. Well, Kathy, when we come back from the break, I want to talk more about your your business, your career. You, you are such an accomplished potter. I have a whole collection at my house that I've always loved so much. Well, thank you. And you've just been all over. And and it sounds to me too that you get that you get inspired. Your work is is influenced by place where you've been. Very much so. Sometimes not right away. Later, I see it. Gotcha. All right. Well, thanks for being here today. This is Marilyn Ball, you bet, speaking to you uh, right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. We're here today in the studio with Kathy Triplett. We'll be back right after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570, WWNC, and 880 The Revolution. And remember, Speaking of Travel is brought to you by Appalachian Realty. They've been helping people call Asheville home since 1979. They have a really cute little bungalow office right off of Charlotte Street here in Asheville on Arlington. And 
I'll tell you, that team can, they can put you in the house of your dreams, whether it's a farmhouse or a a condo or whatever. They are the experts in the realty field right here in Asheville, North Carolina. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. And be sure to visit the Speaking of Travel Facebook page. You'll see pictures and podcasts and all kinds of travel information. So just go to your Facebook and look for Speaking of Travel. Well, I'm here in the studio today with Kathy Triplett. Kathy is a very accomplished artist and ceramist living right here in Asheville. And I'm so glad to have you in the studio today. Thank you so much for being here, Kathy. Thanks, Marilyn. So a lot of people call you Trip. I know that right, right. you go by Kathy, you go by Trip. I go by both. Right. Well, that's really cool. So before the break, we were talking about your growing up and getting into travel and saving your money and then having a decade of teaching up in Canada. When you were doing that, were you dreaming? Was there like, what was going on in your head? Were you thinking bigger? Like, I want to go out even bigger in the world? I did. And I taught a class in Italy, finally, um, and just took a group of people I knew to Italy for a class. First, I had explored the school by going there and taking class so that I could work on my Italian. And I took the class. They taught the class in Italian. So it was a subject I was familiar with. So I learned a lot that way. So then went back to the school. Then I realized after that amount of teaching, um, I realized what I really wanted to do is just explore on my own with friends and travel and not have a job accompanied with it. it I wanted it to be a, a vacation right? and meet people. And so that's what I started doing after that. Yummy. I, I just yummy in that. Wow. I love that dream and that vision that you had of um, being able to see that there's a big world out there. I want to explore it, but I don't want to be doing it as part of my job. I want to just have right. fun. I wanted more freedom and flexibility because a lot of times in travel, I might have a hotel room for the first night and the last night and everything in between is up in the air and things change. You meet people and you go, you hear about things and I don't like it too planned out. Well, do you prefer to travel as a rule um, independently by yourself, or do you go with some friends? Well, at first, um, I had a husband, and I loved to travel with him. He was a great traveling companion because he loved to eat and explore and was much more adventuresome than me. So that was great. But he's been gone seven years, and so now I've explored on my own, and um, I've explored traveling with groups, and I've explored traveling with friends. And the best is traveling with a very small group of friends, I oh, think. Oh, that sounds nice. So, And it sounds like you are adaptable to the language. I know, you know, a lot of times you go someplace and you really don't know the language, but it sounds like in some of your travels you've learned the language. I do love studying languages. So um, being able to have a conversation with older people that you meet on the trip, and a lot of them don't speak English. Most of the young people do. Um, But um, uh, traveling, I went to Mali in West Africa because uh, a lot of the people speak French there, and that made 
It makes a huge difference being able to ask questions. I bet. So when you start to think about where you would like to go, and I know you've been to Italy, you've been to France, um, you've been to Spain. Tell us a little about right. that. You did a cork harvest. What is that? I was, I've been work, combining cork with my clay work after a class I took at Penland. And I was so inspired by learning more about cork because it's such a sustainable product that when I read in the New York Times about a little tour that was being offered by some forest engineers to visit cork forest and wineries and food in Spain, I thought, this is for me. So it was a very small group, six people, and we saw how they harvested cork in three different parts of Spain. And how do they harvest cork? Oh, it's all done by hand. It's not done with machines at all. The the cork forests are a great habitat for wildlife. So they want to keep having cork stoppers in wine bottles, not metal ones, so so that they can keep these cork forests going. So they uh, the cork harvesters use big, huge knives to carefully cut the bark off, and then the bark grows back. That must have been a magical time. That was great. To that be able nice. to see all of and that. And then we visited uh, industries where they took the cork pieces and made them into different things. Oh, how wonderful. And did it end up that you did incorporate cork into your work? I, I am doing that. I'm working on both uh, some large trays because cork is, has insulating properties and also some furniture. Wow, what a great thing. And I know I, I read this somewhere that um, you I know that you'd love to go to the beach and that the beach is a, a special place for you. Right. Are you inspired when you go to the ocean and there's and the shells and the sand do you find that that's part of the inspiration in your work and that's an inspiration in a lot of times the kinds of things that wash up on the beach and of course just the salt air is wonderful right i don't go as much as i used to now i I seem to have so much of, since I live out in the country, when I travel, a lot of times I want to be in cities. I want to see architecture. I want to hear music, things like that. Right. Well, it's interesting how that how that works when you're in the country or you're in the city and you want to have kind of an opposite type of experience, situation and right. experience. Right. Now, you've also been to some, uh, you've been to Cuba, Right. I've been to Cuba, too. So was that a wonderful trip for you? That was you? a wonderful trip with small footprints travel. Mm-hmm. I think Benjamin does a great job of putting together trips. I took his trip to uh, Bolivia, too, which was really great. Right. And that's a that's a little different kind of experience, too, because you're in a small group, but you've got a group leader. Right. Right. It, it makes it very relaxing because everything's taken care of. But I also love making, now it's so easy, making um, reservations online at either Airbnb or hotels or um, getting tickets to places like Spoleto in Italy and all those kinds of things. It's so much easier now than it used to be. So do you find that when you get an idea in your head like, oh, here's a place where I want to be, that 
you then start doing some research and doing a little exploration on your own before you make a commitment that you are going to jump off and go there? Right. I've gotten interested in sailing after taking some sailing classes in the Keys. And now I found some sailing schools in Italy that I thought, oh, this is my next adventure. Oh, that sounds wonderful. Have you ever sailed before? I have when I was younger. Mm -hmm. So it sparked it back up. I always thought it was very scary. And I had some scary adventures sailing, um, though I've gone out with other people who have made me feel very safe, some friends who've had sailboats. But I really want to learn to do it myself. And to be able to go do it in Italy sounds like a lot of fun. It does. They've got some great waterways over there. Right. Beautiful wow. lakes. And you've been before, so you can speak the language a little bit. Right. Wow, that sounds great. Well, when we come back from the break, let's pick up right there. I want to find out some more about some of these trips and I do want to talk to you about your trip to Iran. That was just recently, right? Absolutely. That was in November. In that November. Was a, a great experience. I definitely want to talk about that. All right. Well, thanks okay. for being in, in the studio on the show today, Kathy. It's really wonderful having you here. Thanks, Marilyn. You bet. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We'll be back right after the break. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. And let me see what spring is like on... Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. This is your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And hey, if you're in the Asheville, North Carolina area, be sure to go to Appalachian Realty and check out these guys. They have so much insight on where you can live in this town, in this whole region, AppalachianRealty.com. Check them out. And remember, go to the new Speaking of Travel website. That's speakingoftravel.net. There you'll find podcast information and photos and stories. It's really fun. Well, talking about fun, I'm here with Kathy Triplett. We're I'll tell you, Kathy, you've just been around and you've got these great ideas, going to Italy, taking sailing classes. Fun, right? Right. Yeah. I'm just. There's a whole new, there's a world out there. There is. And you're like. You're taking the 
bull by the horns, if you will, and just going out and doing some amazing trips. Now, I know that you um, took this big trip in November to Iran, and I don't think many people really know what it even means to travel to Iran. So give us a little bit of insight in how that even unfolded for you. I had always had a fascination for Persia, everything Persian, reading about it when I was young, all the uh, uh, tales. And when two friends of mine here said, let's meet up in Iran for two weeks where they had they were going on a six months journey. I said, great, I would love to go. And it's not a place I want to go to by myself. I'd like to have friends. And you have to have, as Americans, um, you have to have a travel guide with you. So but you don't have to go with a, a group. So we hired a guide through an agency. He had a car. And um, we met in Iran. Uh, I mean, we met in Tehran. That was a little challenging because um, our flights got mixed up in Istanbul, where the t- city that I flew into. So I arrived by myself alone at the airport. And for Americans, not for anybody else in the world, but for Americans, you can't use your credit card or your cell phone. So I didn't have any of the local money. So That was my first experience with learning how kind the Iranians are and how helpful they are. So I was there at the airport, 3 o'clock in the morning, and there was no one there to meet me. And so um, a man who at the airport just said, can I call somebody for you? And I had these numbers, and so he called. That didn't work out, but he said, well, there's an information booth, and the the girls there will help you. And so they made some more phone calls, and they my guide, I think, possibly had fallen asleep. But um, they found him, and we got to the hotel okay and set out two hours later the next morning on our journey to walking around Tehran, which was so exciting. Well, first of all, I have to ask, were they speaking English? Oh, yes. They all study English. Young people study English. So when we in the schools in all over Iran, so when we met little children, they always wanted to practice their English with us. The older people didn't speak um, much English. It's a beautiful country. It's um, a large country. So we only saw a small portion of it. Uh, Tehran has snow-capped mountains and ski resorts to the north, which were beautiful to see from the city. But um, we headed out uh, to several towns, cities south of Tehran to explore. And how long were you there? I was only there two weeks. Two weeks. So during that time, here you are, you're with two other Americans and yourself and your guide. Right. That was your group. That was our group. So we had we had already um, planned what we wanted to see, and our guide had a few extra things that he said he thought we should see, which was great. Well, he was tell a wonderful us a little guide. bit about so, what he wanted you to see. Well, the first thing he wanted us to see, he we drove up to it, and he said, what do you think this is? And we said, we have no idea, but it looks like the biggest shopping mall we have ever seen with tile spires coming out of the top and domes. And it looks a giant parking lot. And people are camped out in the parking lot. And we have no idea. He said, okay, we're going in now. 
we went in and we had to wear a sort of bed sheet to go in. We were dressed appropriately in the clothes that we were we wore the whole time we were in Iran, which was a scarf and something that would cover for women, cover our fannies. Men could wear anything they wanted. And we got in and it was the shrine, an enormous shrine to the first Ayatollah was where he was entombed inside. There were hardly any people inside. There were a, probably a million Persian rugs on the floor, and we took off our shoes and walked in, and there were several people at this gigantic bronze thing in the middle filled with flowers and with a few people um, pushing um, money in through the uh, bars. And what was that? Was that it was his, the shri- it was his, his um, mausoleum kind of shrine mm-hmm. for people to uh, pay homage? My to goodness! Him. So, how did you feel being there in that in that well, place? Well, I felt it was so ostentatious. And later, when we talked this over, because the well, the whole thing was covered in as they do in many of the shrines, completely covered in faceted mirrors that make you feel like you're in a jewel box and tile ceilings and domes. And it was so ostentatious. And later our guide said he felt his feeling was that this Ayatollah would have been horrified because he really did. His one goal was to help the poor people a lot. So... It was strange. I bet. Well, from there, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the places that you had wanted to go to. Well, one of the places that I I wasn't actually very sure where I wanted to go, but one of the places I found I loved was the bazaars. The bazaars were a, a labyrinth of shops that sold every kind of spice, every kind of antiquity, rugs, um, furniture, clothes, art, artwork, um, everything that you could possibly imagine, food, um, and you could get completely lost in there. What about the people? Did you find that people were friendly and nice to people you? People were very friendly, and they were so excited to meet Americans because most of them have relatives in the States because a lot of people did leave right during the revolution and, but they don't get to go to America. So they were fascinated. They wanted to know, they knew we were having an election. They wanted to know who we were for. They wanted, they knew more about our electoral college than we did. And they had a lot of questions and, um, they they were very, very kind to us. And for the most part, are the people there Muslims? No, they're, they're Islamic, but only about 15% of the people um, are practicing. There are strict Muslims practicing their religions, religion, uh, which is uh, Shia religion. They're, um, the rest of them have to do what they're told and have to dress the way they're told. They used to be a secular country, and they're chafing under the regulations. So they're ready for they're ready for a change quite a bit. Um, and they're they're Muslim in the sense that if there's a funeral or a wedding, they have it in in those kinds of um, 
tradition and that culture. But um, they love drinking wine and partying and going out and having music. So and now that's forbidden. So they're not happy about that. I bet. Well, when we come back from the break, let's talk a little bit more about that. And I'd I'd love to just get some insight. You know, if I were going to go, how okay. to go about. Um, okay. Getting that guide. Okay. So thanks, Kathy, for You're being welcome. on the show today. Hey, this is Marilyn Ball, your host of Speaking of Travel. We'll be back right after the break. Latino buying power is huge and rising fast. If you want to tap into this new market, then connect by advertising in Ola Carolina magazine. This glossy Spanish-language magazine is published monthly and reaches over 70,000 Spanish-speaking residents in western North Carolina. Ola Carolina magazine is about much more than just speaking Spanish. It's about Latino culture. Visit OlaCarolina.com and transform how you attract in Engage and connect with Latino customers. People call Asheville home for all different reasons, and they all mean a better quality of living that reflects their very own uniqueness. Whether you're looking for a funky loft in downtown Asheville, an arts and crafts bungalow in a walkable community, or a small farm to create your own artistic legacy, Appalachian Realty Associates will help you find properties as unique as you. Visit them at AppalachianRealty.com or at their welcoming bungalow office office on Arlington Street, right near downtown. Appalachian Realty, helping people call Asheville home since 1979. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars, and let me see what spring is like on Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. You're listening right here on News Radio 570 WWNC and 880 The Revolution. And remember, you can listen anywhere, anytime in the whole wide world on your free iHeartRadio app. So you just download that onto your phone. And when you're out walking or jogging, you can listen to one of the podcasts and get inspired by people's travel experiences, like Kathy Triplett sitting here in the studio today today. Kathy, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's really great. Happy to be here, Marilyn. You know, I I hear of your travel experiences kind of, you know, in the community, and I'm always so inspired that you step out and you're going to these grand places. And before the break, we were talking about your trip to Iran and what that was like. Um, Tell us a little bit more. You were talking about the, the clothing uh, before you went, had you figured out, like, this is what we need to wear and this is how we need to present we, ourselves? Yes, we did have to do that, do a little research. And um, uh, Rick Steves has a has a, a TV program on Iran, so we got to look, look at the pictures and see what girls are wearing. And all we had to be conscious of was basically covering up our, for women, covering up our fannies and our heads with a scarf. So, um, and nothing really tight. And uh, the women in Iran don't wear high heel shoes. Um, they wear, the women who are working, and women do drive and have careers and work as lawyers and doctors and um, all kinds of things in Iran. They have um, uh, a lot of freedom in that way. Um, they wear beautiful tailored suits. 
Um, they look really great. Wear a little scarf on their head, but their beautiful, long, dark, curly hair can show. So that was interesting to see. And um, the men wear business suits, or they look like Americans, jeans. But women um, in their homes can wear anything they want, jeans, tank tops, and things like that. So, You know, it's so interesting because we, we just have so much propaganda in our country about these countries that are you know, considered our enemies or them versus us. And it's so refreshing to hear these stories of people who actually are there um, to, to be able to say people are people anywhere and how kind and lovely they were right. to you. Very generous, always offering us food and Oh, singing for us, things like that. Well, speaking of food, I want to talk a little bit about that food because I know you love food and wherever you travel, you want to get a taste, if you will. What was that like? Food was wonderful in Iran. It was wonderful in one respect because it had lots of vegetables and fresh herbs, and I love that. I wasn't sure. Sure, um, what I would find um, if it would be camel meat or what, and I did try camel meat, but um, I eat everything, but especially love fresh herbs and vegetables. So there was a lot of eggplant, a lot of yogurt. We would start meals with this delicious yogurt drink, and of course, there's no alcohol. So um, having this really refreshing mint and herb flavored yogurt drink was really fun. Stews with eggplant, and sometimes big bowls of cress and coriander and parsley and mint were served and you would just eat big handfuls of with of the herbs with the stews one thing i really loved was olives served chopped up with walnuts and pomegranate syrup that was really great yum that what a combo and, and the pomegranate syrup was used on a lot of dishes, and saffron was used mm. on the rice. Chicken with uh, saffron rice was delicious. And there was always falafel if we wanted something simple to eat. So, um, and a lot of pastries. D- breakfast in the hotels was a most extravagant affair because it was a huge buffet of stews and cakes and breads and um, the bread I loved and the butter was good. The bread was um, a big chewy flat thing with holes in it and you just ripped off pieces and ate it with butter and jam. Yum. It sounds delicious. It was good. Coffee was good. Tea was good. It sounds like you would just get up and be right there, like in the in oh, the culture as soon as you as absolutely. soon as you woke up. And a lot of the um hotels we stayed in had such beautiful buffets for breakfast that some of the townspeople uh had events and came there for their meals and the women always dress up when they go out with a lot of jewelry. Jewelry is very important to Iranian women. I think it's part of their um, savings account. And makeup is very important for them. Who would have ever thought? I guess we just don't really have a picture of what that would look like. Right, um, right. We think that they're all covered up. Right. But um, I think there's a little uh, one woman I saw on the street, I think perhaps who was protesting all the 
covering covering of the body because I'm pretty sure she was wearing her bathrobe over pants. <laughs> so when you were um, when you were eating out, were were the restaurants um, easy to like? order and or were they buffet style what was it like some of them were buffets but it was a little complicated to order they're not so so used to having americans there or british people um there are a lot of italian german asian tourists but the restaurants are so beautiful you eat on big platforms covered with persian rugs and pillows you can or for the some for older people and tourists, there are there is the possibility of having um, a chair and chairs and big tables, but the platforms are really fun. They're called tucks, and they're in gardens outside. You can sit out in gardens to eat, and they bring your food there or indoors. Um, it, they were so beautiful that I want to build one at my house. That sounds lovely. <laughs> so tell us about this night that you had with the nomads. That was exciting. I had no idea what what it was going to be like. But um, we the nomads were um, goat herders. And when we got there, the, we helped them round up. The sheep were just coming in for the evening. And we helped round up all the baby goats, which were kept in a pen because the mother goats were coming in. And we took them out of the pen, and they ran and found their mother so that they could nurse because they only had a little time because somebody in the evening, the young boy, the young um, nomad son, uh, was taking them back out because the grasses. They've been in such a drought for so long. The grasses were so few, they have to take them out to forage um, all day and night. So then we went to the tent, a big canvas, huge canvas tent, where there were piles and piles of Persian rugs to lay on. And they brought us bowls of um, oranges and pomegranates to eat and and bread. And I thought, well, that's delicious. We'd already had a fabulous picnic, so we didn't need much more. And the women, the women were spinning and smoking hookah pipes where they use herbs in the pipes. And eventually more and more people came. Some of the young people had been in school and they came home from school. And then other people joined us. And pretty soon it became a group of about 20 people and our guide and, and us. And we sat around and all of a sudden, they brought in giant platters of roasted chicken that they had cooked outside and vegetables, eggplants, and um, other tomatoes and corn and other things that were cooked. And um, we just ate and ate. And gradually, they started um, – they kept talking. And some of the younger people who could talk English um, wanted to ask us, show us pictures. They all have cell phones. And so they wanted to show us pictures of weddings and um, things they were doing. That sounds but, wonderful. It, what an experience, Kathy, to to bring back with you and to have – live with you now that you did that. Really wonderful. Well, in the time that we have left, I want our listeners to know how they can find out more about you and see your art and your beautiful um, ceramics. And Well, I have um, an undated 
non-updated website called kathytriplett.com. And I'm having a show at Blue Spiral. They usually have some of my work. Not a lot right now, but they will um, in the at the end of June. Or they can visit me at my studio in Weaverville. So your website, you're soon to be sometime... Upgrade, updated, <laughs> that's fine, um, is Kathy with a K. K-A-T-H-Y. And then triplet. triplet. T-R-I-P-L-E-T-T. Two T's. Yes. And that's dot com. Right. Gotcha. Well, Kathy, thank you so much. What a rich and, and beautiful story of being able to step out and go someplace that very few people, you know, in America really experience. That's true. And I hope they'll be able to go. I hope so, too. As much trouble, as difficult as it was to get there. Right. Well, thank you for sharing your stories with us. You're quite welcome. Anytime. Great. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You've been listening to Speaking of Travel with my guest, Kathy Triplett. Go out and have a great week. And remember, don't postpone joy. Joy.